0: It's been a rich morning so far, so I just want to say good morning to you this morning. And uh, I've asked Zach to join me. Somebody had a birthday yesterday. Who could that be? 27 years with this young man. And uh, it's been exciting, it's been fun. But I've asked Zach to join me this morning because of what we're going to talk about. Um, Because a month ago, when we did uh, the prison outreach and we went down to um, the Hawkins unit there in Wrightsville, Arkansas, I keep wanting to say Kentucky because I I believe there's a Wrightsville, Kentucky, but anyway, Arkansas, um, we broke up into small groups and I was in this uh, group with about 25 of the inmates and one of them asked me, he pointed at me and he said, I have a question for you. How do I know what the call of God is on my life? I thought, well, let's just start easy. My name's Phil, it's nice to meet you. No, I'm teasing, but I, I know these guys, they don't have a lot of time with you. So, I mean, they go right, they get right to it, you know? They're deep people. He is deep. deep, they were deep. And, and I, th- I began to think about it and God gave me the answer, which I'm gonna give to you this morning as, as I was talking to him and I said, I said, you know, the secret is to not seek the call. The secret is to seek him. Spend time in the secret place, seek him, and the call will be discovered in your life. But it really got me thinking about call and got me begin thinking about what call is because I made some mistakes early on as I was pursuing Jesus and I was beginning to walk in my, in my walk with him. And, and I, one of the mistakes that I made was I compared call my calling to, I treated it like a career instead of a call. When a calling is much bigger, it's much bigger than a career because a career is something you chase, but a call is something that chases you. A career is something that you pay a price to obtain, to accomplish, but a call is something that you yield your will to. That you take up your cross daily, that you lay down your own will. And like Jesus, you say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. And when you say that, when you decide to do that, guess what? It takes you places that you never thought you would go. Yeah. The other mistake that I made personally, and then I want, John, I want Zach to share about this uh, as well, was that I associated my call with my giftings, talents, and abilities because we're all gifted with different things. We're all gifted differently. You know, you have talents, you have abilities. And so early on in my life, um, when I was about 12 years old, I learned to play the guitar. I had my little Walmart special and it was awesome. And uh, it got fixed like three different times, but I learned to play the guitar. And, and you know, people would tell you, you know, you're pretty good at that. You know, you're a pretty good drummer. You're a pretty good piano player. And so I began, so I just, came to the resolution in my life that God had called me to music. And I did it for a long time. I led worship uh, for, church, for different churches and I was a part of the worship program for a long time. But I had no idea. And the day that, I remember the day that my pastor, Pastor Sharon was here. Um, she was the second week of Vision Month. And her husband came up to me and pointed me in the chest and said, you're a pastor. And I thought, man, if you ever missed A prophetic word this was the one but it frightened me because he had a great track record of prophetic words he would speak prophetic words and they would happen that's not the guy I want speaking that over my life you know I want somebody else that maybe misses it it's not very good you know prophetic words and and it scared me it frightened me I had no idea that wasn't even on my radar now let me let me let me say this to you in love As a loving father of the house (laughs) if somebody speaks a prophetic word to you like that that's directive it better be somebody like pastor billy joe somebody that's got a track record somebody that's got relationship with you if somebody you know that is a business owner in another city and they have a prophetic word for you and it's directive you really need to put that on the shelf and say god i don't know about that but i'm putting it before you okay don't just assume that that's a word for you. But what I did was I assumed that my talent, my ability, and my gifting was my call. And although I know I use that as a pastor, I, I'm not involved with the worship team. Zach will tell you. I, somebody came up to me uh, recently and said, hey, you need to have the worship team do this song. And I said, well, you need to go talk to Zach because I don't pick the songs. I don't tell him what to play. <laughs> I'm not I entrusted it to him so I didn't have to be in law, involved and on top of that God said don't be involved in worship give it all over to him and so I did and so I, so God my point is this it's not a career and your giftings and talents and abilities may be a part of your call but that does not define your call they're going to be a part of your call yeah
1: right Yeah, I think it's also important to just keep in mind as well that like whenever you treat your calling like a career, many times what we can do is we can already divorce ourselves from the understanding that my calling means I'm only ever going this way, whether it be socially, status, whatever it looks like, and whenever I look through scriptures, For many of the people that we love and admire throughout the scriptures that accomplished great and mighty things for the Lord, their calling brought them to the most lowly, most vulnerable, and and many times, a great place of suffering. And I think whenever we treat our calling like a career, we're thinking, I'm going through struggling, so clearly it's the enemy who's attacking my calling. When in essence, we might want to run back to the secret place and ask the Lord, Lord, is this a direct, uh, is this a direct um, product of what I've been called to? And that may be offensive to some of our theology in here, but I just want to bring us to the scriptures. What did God, what did Jesus speak to Ananias when Ananias was going to tell Paul what the Lord had stored up for him? Jesus said to Ananias, he said, go and tell Paul of the that for he is a man who will suffer greatly for my name's sake. So the call of Paul, (laughs) that was nice, was suffering. And so when we treat our calling like it's a career, we're always, and it may just be a natural inclination that we have, Because we're used to in my career, I'm always striving to achieve more. I'm always striving to make more money. I'm always striving to be more successful. But whenever, I think it's been very clearly stated here in this house that success in the world and success in the kingdom are two totally different things. And so we can't allow calling, which is a spiritual application, to be limited by our natural intellect. Does that make sense? And so many times, that's really just what I've come to see happen too, uh, whenever it comes to calling. And I love that you touched on prophecy as well, because in many times, prophecy makes or breaks someone either stepping into their calling or delaying their calling or whatnot, because at many points, we're hanging everything on that prophecy When in essence, what prophecy, and I love what you and mom have always taught us growing up, which was when you receive a prophetic word and maybe it's some, (laughs) I'll say it this way. If it's something that you had no idea about in the first place, like you weren't, you'd never heard it before, you weren't, that this wasn't happening between you and the Lord in the secret place, and it's like the first time you're hearing it is when it's being prophesied to you by this individual, the first thing that I'm going to do on my end of things is I'm taking that prophecy and I'm putting it on the shelf. Because prophecy, I don't have to make that come to pass. Prophecy will do what it do. (laughs) And so my responsibility is to, to say thank you and put it on the shelf. And then, but if it is prophecy that goes forth and it confirms what the Lord's already been speaking to your heart, now it's not just prophecy, but it's confirmation of what the Lord's already said. That happened a couple weeks ago where Jen Trangale came in here and she was just beginning to speak and prophesy over multiple people in this room. and, and, And she spoke over me and I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't, men. I wonder if she's going to share something. She got something for me. But she began to share and she spoke. And I have maybe had two conversations with Reverend Jen. She's incredible. I love her so much, but I don't have personal connection with her. But when she began to speak, everything that came out was already a confirmation of what the Lord had already been dropping in my spirit. And so now I'm walking away not being like, I wonder what that was about. Instead, I'm walking away and I'm like, I'm doubling down on where I'm at and what I'm supposed to be doing because that confirmed what I already know. And calling keeps you in that vein. That's That's so good.
0: So good. I wanted, as you're talking, I just want to say so much more, but I want to get to the scripture. (laughs) Would you turn over to Romans chapter 11? Romans chapter 11 and... Paul writes here to the Romans and he brings up calling, he brings up gifts and callings. And he says this in verse 29, he says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Another translation says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So if you look at that word gifts in the Greek, it means this, it means an endowment. Endowment, so it's something bestowed upon you, it's something that God placed on your life. That word calling means an invitation, and it's to a divine call. So it's an invitation to a divine call. So, this is so you have one, you have gifts that are bestowed upon you, but then you have the calling, which is an invitation to a surrendered will, it's an invitation to die to your plans your desire, your will, and to take up his. Here is here's what I discovered. When uh when we were in Louisville, Kentucky, we had been in ministry for many years. We had we'd served, I'd grown up at my home church, which was Victory Church in Tulsa. Pastor Sharon and her husband Billy Joe were the founding pastors of that church. And I grew up there. I served there for for decades. And then I married this beautiful lady on the front row and, and we began our life together in ministry and figuring out what God had called us to do and what, how he had brought us together and what, where we were supposed to be, what we were supposed to do. And as, as we began to do ministry, you develop a, a knack, you develop, you develop a, uh, and you get experience and sometimes you can just assume that you know how to do ministry And what happens is you begin to reach more for your experience than you do for the hand of God. You begin to reach more for your knowledge, your wisdom, the things that you've learned in ministry instead of the Holy Spirit's directive. This is why prophecy that's directive, it's it's so important that it's more confirmation because the Holy Spirit's your guide. Who's supposed to be your guide? It's the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And so he's the one that's supposed to be leading me, guiding me. Prophecy is for edification, to build up, to encourage. And it's always wrapped in redemption. If you look at Ezekiel, you look at Jeremiah, and you go back and you look at the different prophets, every time that they prophesied, I just came through Jeremiah, just finished the book, and as I was reading it, I noticed every prophecy that God gave him was always wrapped in redemption. It was bad news, but the good news was, if you'll repent, if you'll turn, I will bring you back and settle you again. And that's the love of the Father. So just, anyway, some important things that the Lord had me say on prophecy anyway. But it's highly unwise, going back to gifting, it's unwise to limit your call to your giftings. Because God wants to take you way beyond what you know how to do. God, in fact, I would uh, let's say it this way. God doesn't want to do what you know how to do. He wants to do what he knows how to do. He knows a lot more than you and I do. And so when we make ourselves available and completely dependent upon him, he begins to take you to places. And what he does is he empowers you with his super. He puts his super on your natural. And suddenly you can do things that you couldn't do before. Suddenly, God's favor is not only on you, but it goes before you and clears a path yeah. for you. And that was what I discovered with Nicole and I was when we began to align our life with His will meaning we spent time in prayer, He would give us the steps. I don't know where this stairwell is going in my life, but I'm yielded to the next step, which is His will. You, do you know what I mean? So as we take steps, he opens up the path. Now, how many of you, honestly, how many of you, God has placed a call on your life? He's given you a glimpse into the future of what you know, you're going to do. You'd be honest and say, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some of that. I've seen the call of God on my life. You're in a great place. You know why? Because it was the same way for David. It was the same way for Joseph. It was the same way for Abraham. It was the same way for Moses. You're in good company. You're in company with all of these guys. But let me tell you something. You and I have read the book, but Moses couldn't see the end of the book. He couldn't see the Red Sea splitting for him at the moment. He couldn't see all of the plagues that God was going to bring on Egypt. David couldn't see that he was going to take out a giant. And then what was going to happen, the, for the next 14 years, he was going to run for his life. He didn't see that. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about it. You think about Gideon. Gideon couldn't see who he was. God had to come down and say, you know what, I'm going to put my super on your natural. And men are going to rise up. In fact, 300 choice men are going to rise up, and, and I'm going to deliver this nation, and I'm going to do it through you, you mighty man of God. And he's going, right. He's, the, he's like the, one of the classic examples of that, right? So, so God does this though. He takes the faithful and he makes them able. He takes the faithful and he makes them able. Those that are faithful in the house. And it's an amazing thing. In Matthew 22, verse 14, Jesus said this. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. In other words, he's saying all are invited God is inviting you, but not everybody chooses to accept the invitation and surrender their will. Many times we want to guarantee. When uh, many of you know that Nicole and I, we traveled for five years before we came here and established a church. Zach uh, was our son, so he got to come with us. (laughs) At that time, he was 15 when we started traveling on the road. He was doing homeschool in the RV. But here's what I learned is when we were traveling, I found out later that we weren't the first couple that was asked to come and travel with this ministry. In fact, when they asked us, a guy by the name of Terry Henshaw, he was the one that reached out to us and he began to tell us all about what I, you know, what I, this position and what I'm asking you to do. And he went down and he went through this long list. He was very meticulous and very smart in how he presented it to me. It looked good, looked good, looked good, looked good, looked good. That's hard to say so many times in a row. And then he got to the end and he said, by the way, there's no salary. Now, how many of you are excited about going and traveling on the road? There's no guarantee, no salary. And Nicole and I, though, it went off in us. The Holy Spirit just said, yes, 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 yes. This is the way, walk in it. And I didn't have the answers but if you have to have the answers, you won't step into the call. Mm-hmm. Right. Much of calls are assignments, pieces of assignments. Yes. And, and so there, there's, an, there's a big call. But then, I, you know, I've noticed that there's these assignment calls as well in the process. And so when we said yes, God paved the way. I didn't know how he was going to do it. Just with the next step, we began to believe him. We began to ask him, what, you know, what's the plan? We, we don't know how to do fundraisers we've never done a fundraiser before. We don't need, we don't know how, how are we going to live out here on the road? And God began to answer each question. do you know we lacked for nothing? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. And, and I learned from that, that if I align my life with his will, then I won't have to worry about that. What soldier goes to war at his own expense? Your meals are included. Your wardrobe's included. I'm wearing camo today for for army people i mean you know it's all included and i began to learn that and so when we stepped out in that suddenly the fear went away and god began to provide resources came in favor came in and it's amazing how that works and we see that in the calling of all of these other people but first let's answer this question and then i want zach to jump in so who knows who knows your calling who is the one that gives you your calling well obviously it's God but I want to read it to you out of 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 it says this talking about God or Jesus who has saved us and called us with a holy calling your calling is a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose it's God's purpose so, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you. They're his plans. They're not our plans. He's the one that gives them to us, right? And so, how did that make you feel when suddenly we were, we were at home, you're, you're being homeschooled, we're, we're living daily lives, and now we get this call to go
1: on the road? What was it like for you? <laughs> for us, it was great because we were the kids. Yeah. We weren't paying for everything. So, we loved it. <laughs> um but no it was it was really it was really important <clears throat> for us to see our parents to see you and mom begin to step out in these things and we as your kids were right there watching it happen
0: yeah
1: um so saying
0: god provided. <clears throat>
1: yeah it instilled in us not just this you and mom weren't coming home and telling us look what god did instead we're all seeing what god did I mean, it was even a miracle just getting to Tampa, you know, because like the RV, literally it was like, we broke down on the the off ramp, on the off ramp, we were stuck. Yeah, that was, so we got to see faith and action right there. Um, But it was just so important for us to see you all walking in it. And we knew that we were called to it because of the fact that we never lacked for anything. I mean, B B and I, we both lived off of a hundred bucks a month each living on the road. (laughs) Me and I were actually, we were joking about this yesterday, and I'm going to tell on her. So Uh, it was once we had moved here, she had started working a job, and she was like, her paycheck, her paycheck was like 600 bucks a paycheck, and twice a month, and still living at home, like didn't have any, any payments or anything like that. And she comes in one day and she's literally just like so frustrated with herself and I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, I'm just so tired of living paycheck to paycheck. (laughs) And I was like, you're living paycheck to paycheck? You make how much? And you're not paying for anything, you know? And then I reminded her, I was like, let's go back for a second. How did we make $100 last a month? Because that entire time we never lacked for anything. We never did. And it just brought us, it brought her back to this place of remembering, you know, it was the faithfulness of the Lord and us being good stewards at the same time. And that's something that I feel is also very important with the calling is how do you steward your calling? How do you, when it's put in your hands, how are you handling it? Because the Lord doesn't just drop your calling and then say, see ya. He gives it to you with certain conditions. And I look specifically at when Jesus sent out the twelve. He told them specifically where to go, who to talk to, what not to take with them and gave them prerequisites to the calling that he had given to them. He said, go and preach the gospel, but don't take anything with you. Take only the sandals on your feet, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Don't go to these people, go to these people, reach the people of the house of Israel and gave them specific guidelines because he knew that their effectiveness was purely hanging on Doing exactly what Jesus said. And it goes back to what you had mentioned when we're not led by this. We're led by, for those that are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so when the spirit leads you, he's the one that keeps you in that vein. He keeps you in the pocket of doing exactly what he said when he said it for as long as he said it. And you don't move yourself until you feel the release and that was the important thing about when we traveled. We knew we were called to travel because immediately when Terry and Brenda said the words, and we feel that you all are to be the managers of the 99, immediately in the, the grasp that was on our hearts with the city of Louisville, Kentucky, immediately just was like this. There was, this. there was this release. It was like all of a sudden, it didn't feel like home anymore because you knew where the Lord is, that's home. I heard Chris Valentin say this. He said, you find your destiny when you find your place in your people. Yep. That's when you find your destiny. You can be in a good church. You can be in a good city. But if you're not where he wants you, it will never feel like home because he is home. Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever our, we gave our lives to Christ, and this is something I always joke with my family because the longest we lived in one place was like, what, seven years and it was, and it, cause it was always like, you know, we'd get to that six year and be like, Whoa, what's going to happen? You know, are we going to stay? Are we going to like, what is it? But you know, thankfully the Lord's got us here. You don't got to worry about it, but or he's got me here. I don't know about you. We're
0: already at six. So that's the yeah. good news yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, after, was like Oh Jesus. Um, but you know, it was just that release. And then when we stepped out onto the road, we knew that that's where he wanted us to be. Because when I gave my life to Jesus and I said, you can have everything, I no longer have the convenience, maybe not convenience, not the right word, but I no longer have the luxury of looking and being like, where do I want to live? I would love to live here. I would love to live here. I'm not saying you can't have dreams and desires, but you, it's always first and foremost, Lord, where do you have me? Where yeah. do you want me? Because my gifts will only bring me before great men When my calling has brought me into the position where great men, you know, to where I can be brought before great men. Yeah. I can't be brought before great men that the Lord has specifically designed me to be brought before if I'm not even in the right city. Yeah. Or if I'm not even with the right people, you know, so it's just. Yeah, we used to
0: travel, you know, in traveling so much, we, we would get asked frequently, you know, if you could live anywhere. Where would you live? And at first I didn't know how to answer, but then it dawned on me, in, in the will of God, that's where I would want to live, you know? I mean, there's nice places everywhere, but if God hasn't called you there, I want to be where God's called me. That's where the favor is. That's where the blessing is. That's, that's where inner happiness is, contentment is. So let's look at a guy in the Bible. Let's look at King David. Turn over to 1 Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. And in, in this chapter, we have a situation where Saul has been rejected as king. He disobeyed God. And, and God said, look, I, he, tells, he tells Samuel at the very beginning of the chapter, he says, stop mourning for Saul. He said, I, I've rejected him as king. Now I want you to go to the tribe of Benjamin. I want you to talk to, uh, find a man by the name of Jesse, and I'm going to cause you to anoint one of his sons king." And so Samuel goes there, Jesse collects all of his sons, minus one, (laughs) brings them, and I guess all the ones that look like kings, David wasn't invited to the king anointing party. (laughs) You know, maybe that's you. Maybe you're at that place. Maybe you're like, you know, I wasn't invited to the king anointing party. That person didn't, isn't giving me favor. My boss isn't giving me favor. I'm believing God. I'm working hard and they're just not giving me the favor that I deserve. Uh, Here's the good news. Promotion doesn't come from man. It comes from God. Promotion doesn't come from man, Gary. It comes from God. It does. It does. God will promote you better than man can. And even if man rejects you, God will approve of you anyway. Especially if your life is aligned with him and he's so gracious, so merciful. So here's David. David doesn't get involved, get invited. Samuel looks at the first son, Eliab, and he says, "Man, this is the next king. Look at this guy." And God says, "No." He said, "I don't look at people the same way you do." He said, "I've rejected him." Next, next son. Next son. Next son. All seven of them are rejected. And Samuel goes, do you have any other sons? Are all of them here? He goes, well, there's one. He's in the pasture watching the sheep. He said, go, go and go get him, because we're not doing anything else until he arrives. When David walks in, Samuel takes one look at him and he's, and God says, anoint him. Promotion comes from God. It doesn't come from your family. Man. And so he, he anoints him.
1: Question for you. How do you steward those moments when you know you're called to something, but you see someone else being elevated in that position that you feel like you were called to.
0: You sow the seed of rejoicing and celebrating yes, sir. with them. Yes, sir. That's how you steward it, yeah. you know, because what God does for one, he'll do for another.
1: Because yeah. I ask that because in the terms of David's situation here, he is anointed king and there's still a king over Israel. Yeah. You know, so it's like, how?
0: It's a scary moment. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, treason. This is treason. I mean, it really is. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: something.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but let me ask you a question. Because now Saul takes the horn and he anoints, Samuel anoints David. What does David do as soon as he gets anointed?
1: He goes straight back out to the fields.
0: And does what? And
1: shepherds the sheep.
0: Wait a minute. wait a minute I've been anointed king and now I get to go back to what I was doing before those of you that have received a call from God on your life to do something and you see it in the distance you see maybe you even see the end game where you will eventually be Mm -hmm. but you're here on just this side of receiving the call what do you do how do you steward that you shepherd the sheep you don't change what you're doing at this moment. Because I hear so many people say, I- I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go preach. And they don't have any invitations to go anywhere. There was, a, there was this mechanic. Uh, I was, this pastor shared this story about a mechanic in his church that God had really blessed this guy. And he was such a good mechanic, everybody would bring their cars to him. And he, he hired employees, He had several employees working for him and now had his own garage. And God was blessing him. But he got stirred up about the scripture, man. And he was just digging in and God was giving him revelation. And he said, he came to his pastor, he said, I've got it. I'm called to preach. He said, I'm going to sell my garage, I'm going to sell everything that I own, and I'm going to go and I'm going to travel and I'm going to preach. And the pastor steward that, stewarded that moment very well. He said, he goes, glory to God, man, that's, that's good. He said, but let me ask you a question. Do you have an invitation? And he goes, well, no, I don't have any invitations yet. And he said, can I make a recommendation to you? And he said, sure. He said, why don't you do this? Study the, continue to study the word of God, develop messages, get prepared. And as those invitations come in, accept them, go and preach, but keep your job, stay, keep the garage, keep doing what you're doing, but let this overtake the garage. And then with this is taking up more of your time than this, then you can easily make the shift. And he goes, well, yeah, well, that sounds like wisdom. And fortunately he did it. He didn't sell his house. He didn't sell everything and try to hit the road. Anyway, and so I was going to share something, but the Lord told me not to So Anyway, so he, so he, did, he, did, he did what the pastor recommended. Months and months later, he came back to the pastor. He said, listen, I want to thank you for encouraging me not to sell my garage. He said, because we would have been discouraged. We would have been frustrated. It would have damaged our faith. He said, but because we didn't, he said, I, I've been preaching to my employees now. I've been ministering to customers that come in. I'm teaching a class at my church now. And God is opening doors for me to minister more, but I'm keeping my day job. So what can we learn? What's the lesson from David? Keep your day job.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Keep your day job. Don't give things up just because you, you have a call. Hold on to the call grasp the call but let's let's prove that out in scripture listen to what it says in first corinthians 7 verse 17 says this well verse 20 says this let me just go to verse 20 let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called What he's saying there, and if you go back and read verse 17 through verse 20, he's saying, if you're uncircumcised, don't seek to be circumcised. If you're circumcised, don't seek to be uncircumcised, you know, but stay within the call. He said, if you're a slave, stay a slave. Don't seek to be set free. But if you get set free, use it to your advantage. God is saying, stay in your job. (laughs) Keep your day job. Because if, if you feel the call to full-time ministry, I got news for you. You're called. Yeah. You are called now to full-time ministry in the vocation that you're in. Yep. Keep your day job and do full-time ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I prayed for a guy at Walmart the other day. I, I'm in full-time ministry, not just my job as a pastor. I'm in full-time ministry everywhere I go.
1: Yeah, that's oh, I'm like, because ah, uh, you have the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So you're, you have the general call and then you have an individual call. So as the body of Christ, the individual call is what are you operating as within the body specifically? Gary's going to do something other than Lance. Lance is going to do something different than Holly. Holly's going to do something different than Cherry. And it goes across the board because each one of us has been called specifically for something. But that's in addition to what we were generally called to, everyone, exactly like what you were hitting on. And Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, you know, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, I work at a job, you know, like I really would love to begin to, you know, step out and get the opportunity to like preach and stuff like that. Well, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, verse eight, Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. That was not location-specific. That was not vocation-specific. That was for every person. Even the Great Commission, go into all the world. That's not just where you feel called to. That's where you're at right now. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. And how do you preach the gospel? Well, you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse lepers, and you cast out demons. So it's no matter where you're at, If I work at a, in a furniture warehouse and I, Jay does this amazing to where sometimes I'll find myself coming into work and he's loading out a customer and he's just praying for him, just going at it because nine times out of 10, do research at your job because I guarantee you some people too, just practically, if you like, we work at a furniture store, nine out of 10 people that are buying a recliner are not buying it because it looks nice. They're buying it because they have back pain and they're looking for comfort. And so for us, that's like, oh, easy money. Like, we got this figured out. Like, you having back pain? Man, you know? And we shared this testimony on Wednesday night that we have a coworker that he was struggling with back pain, 19 years old, for three months, every day. He's had back pain that was continuous pretty much all the time. And we prayed for him. Two minutes later, he comes back and he's freaking out because he can't feel anything in his back. Like, God gave him a brand new back. You know, and now we're continuing to believe God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. And now we're continuing to believe God for more breakthroughs in his life because he's still going through some health difficulties. But it's like, man, God touches back. So no matter where you're at, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons and yes. raise the dead. Yes. It's not dependent on, yeah, but I'm not called to that. You know, I don't like my job.
0: Oh, you just flowed into it. See, because <laughs> David came back and he started watching cheap. He didn't call his dad and say... I'm not called to sheep. I'm not called to sheep, dad. Oh, because I hear this. I hear, I've heard, I heard people make this statement that that's not my calling. Show me in scripture where somebody said that. Now, I, you could, you could claim that Jonah did that, but look what happened to him is that where you want to be (laughs) you want to get swallowed by the big fish and be crying out to god and get spit up on the shore again and the interesting thing was when he was spit up on the shore god asked him the exact same question go to that great city in nineveh and gave him the same assignment only this time i think he was already walking in that direction and said yes sir i am headed to that direction you know but he didn't say that. But, but see, sometimes that's not my calling boxes you in to the other things that God wants you to do. Pastor, kids are not my calling. Pastor, media is not my calling. And, and, or you see a need. Here's one of my favorites. You see a need in the church and so you come to me. Pastor, we need to have one of these. Well, God revealed it to you. So it may be that he wants you to be a part of doing that. You know what I mean? So listen to what what happened to David. And here here David is out in the pasture. And think about this. A lion attacks the sheep. What does he do? He grabs it by 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 the mane and he slays it. A bear attacks the sheep. He kills it. What's that? Preparation for the giant. Remember, he stood before Saul and Saul said, how in the world do you think you can beat this giant? And he said, sir, I've slain the lion and I've slain the bear and this giant will be no different. See, because in those little things, in those mundane places where you feel like, oh, I just feel like I'm working a dead end job. Well, that's a worldly slogan. That's not in the Bible either. And we'll show you that as well. But I'm just saying you're, 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 you're serving as unto the Lord Colossians three twenty three, and whatever you do do it heartily with that means with all of your heart as unto the Lord yeah. I remember he said to me specifically when we were going out on the road and we were driving in that RV going out our maiden voyage and uh first time you know for everything and we're driving out there and the Lord spoke to my heart and he said Phil I want you to serve Cause this is not our, our ministry. This is another man's ministry. He said, I want you to serve him, serve he and his wife with all of your heart. I don't want you to hold back any idea. I don't want you to hold back anything that you're reserving for another time. I want you to give it all. Why? It's seed. I had no idea he was going to do this. No clue that we were going to be a, a part of, of a vision church family like this and get to do this. But see, God knows that your destination. So he has you there to learn leadership. The highest form of leadership is serving. Yep. Yes, sir. yes, sir. Oh, we're getting there. It's going <laughs> yeah, right to get good. Getting <laughs> ready to get good.
1: Because on that, <laughs> everything that he calls us to, and you hit on this, whatever you do, do it as unto Jesus. Do it as unto the Lord, not to men. So when he calls you to something, he's doing it, with a purpose, with an intent. And it's this main goal is that you would look more like Jesus. Yeah, That's his ultimate goal. Wherever he's calling you to, whatever he's putting on your heart, it's for this one purpose. Oh, that you would look like his son, Jesus. Yeah. Everywhere you go. And so that's why whenever I'm stepping into it, it's not this, well, that's not my job. Because if you're doing that, I would seriously inclined maybe go and double check and make sure that you're where you're supposed to be in life because if that's your mentality when it comes especially to the things of god it's like jesus that was never in his vocabulary jesus came and he went low we heard this at the pastor's conference when we went down there and it was your pastors which means you're a leader yes but you're still a sheep yeah we're all sheep that need a shepherd And so our goal here is not to be like, well, we're not gonna do this because we're focused on leading. Is our goal here is, no, we're going to go low. We're gonna serve in whatever capacity is necessary because at the end of the day, we're not, we don't prioritize being leaders more than following the leadership of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And that's what your calling will always bring you to is follow the leadership of Jesus. Yeah. And you'll look more like him in the process.
0: Yeah, yeah calling begins with yielding it begins with a a giving god i love what nicole's dad said giving god he said i i asked him you know about his life and he was saying i gave phil i gave god my eternal yes my eternal yes see it's easy in the prayer closet to get down on your knees and to put your hands up and say god i'll do anything that you tell me to do But see, the things that he tells you to do most often are inconvenient. You're gonna die. And yeah, you get, and you're going to die, Zach said. You're, you get to die <laughs> in the process because it's not convenient. I was sharing with Gary, we, we had an amazing, I mean, can I put an emphasis on amazing prayer time Saturday morning uh, here from nine until noon? It's a powerful time. And as we were, as, as we were praying, I was, I was sharing with Gary that evangelism, because they took the evangelism team out yesterday at 3.30 in Salem Springs. And, uh, <clears throat> and I was telling Gary, I said, man, evangelism, is, it seems like it's rarely convenient. You're walking by somebody and God says, love on them. Tell, them. tell them I love them or whatever he wants you to say. And you're on your way to somewhere else. And you're like, God, I... I have to be here. But see, this to God is more important. His plans are more important than yours. And here's what I've discovered is that when we are willing to take a detour and do what he wants us to do, that he makes, he makes it up for it in what you need to get done. See, because God can get your stuff done like this. He can solve all your problems like that. Bill's paid, everything, you know. And, and if you and I will step out more in obedience to him. And, and to be in this place, though, you have to be in a place spiritually where you're hearing him. Okay, especially in these moments where, you know, you see someone and, you know, maybe they're, I, I was in my dry cleaners the other day. And, and well, it's been a couple weeks now and, and the lady's uh, ankle was swollen up like a big melon. I said, oh my word, what happened to you? She said, I fell, I tripped, and I fell. I said, could I pray for your ankle? I just felt prompted to pray for it. You know, I mean, these these are those moments that the Holy Spirit is revealing that to me for a reason. I noticed it for a reason. Does that make sense? All All right, Michael Miller said this, and Zach and I are reading his book, His House, His Presence, chapter by chapter. And you're behind by the way. But we meet together and we <laughs> and we uh we talk about the chapter. It's school. I have like six books to read. Yeah, he does. He has a lot he does have a lot of reading. <laughs> well, catch up. But anyway, uh so Michael Michael shared shared this in the book. He was sharing he's sharing the story in the first two chapters about their story and how their church started. And he was talking about a prayer time where he had this moment where he's praying and he's seeking God and he's saying things like this, God, why do you have me here? God, their church is like downtown Dallas in the homosexual district you know, and he said, God, why did you call me here? And there's so many other people that would be so, they, they totally understand this environment and, and this culture and they would be a much more effective choice to be able to put down here and to minister. And he said, God spoke to his heart and he said, I didn't call you here to minister to them. I called you here to minister to me. Yeah. Ha, that's a word from heaven. Because talk about freeing you from people.
1: Yeah, you talk about David going back and shepherding the sheep. What did David go back to? He went back to ministering unto the Lord. He went back to writing the Psalms that we probably never would have had, had had he thought right away, well, I'm a king now. So I gotta focus on learning how to be a king. I got to focus on learning how to run a nation. I got to focus on this. I got to focus on that. First place he went back to was, I need to go love on my king. I need to go love on my Jesus. And his worship never stopped. And that's the thing is when wherever you're at, you're there to minister to him and not people. No matter how many times your surrounding changes, your worship doesn't.